0: Today is the fourth and final sermon in our series on community. And as Nick has been part of our community and we're all in this together, it couldn't be more appropriate. Um, Today I'm following uh, three other sermons that have been preached by Steve Shipstead and Steve Main and Scott Kale. I guess I'm supposed to give you the perspective of somebody whose name doesn't start with S. So um, here we go. So in the last three weeks, we've heard lots of different things about community and how God has called us together. God has created us as human beings to be part of community, to be in community, whether that community is in the church, in the family, all sorts of other communities. And that God's deepest desire is to be in community, in communion with all of us too. But the truth is we all as fallible human beings, we always find ways to push God away, to push God away from us in all sorts of ways. And we, we do that with each other too. We find ways to, even if we're created to be in community, to, to push that possibility away. So it's no wonder you kind of hear all the time that people are starving for community. Maybe you're one of those people. I've been there myself many times. Well, here's some good news. That no matter how or why we wind up being or feeling isolated by ourselves, no matter what, whether it's through our own actions or our own inactions or because of something completely beyond our control like COVID, God never gives up trying to bring us together because that's who God is God is a god of community just think about it this is the topic for a totally different sermon but we say that God exists as three in one father son and holy spirit so this morning what i want to do is 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 give you some insight from the scripture about how we can be in community because as God never gives up trying to bring us together, neither should we. All right, so here's, here's what it says, What the scripture we get from the, letter, the first letter of John, chapter 1. Now, this is the letter of John. You, you, you also probably know there's a gospel of John, and then there are three letters of John in the New Testament. So this is from 1 John, chapter 1, starting in the first verse. Listen for God's word to you today. John writes, we declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. I mean, folks, that gets pretty visceral, right? He's seen it with his eyes, heard it with his ears, touched it with his hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you that the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard and touched so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's pray. Holy God, we pray that you'll grant us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the bodies to reach out and touch the truth, the word that you've given us in Jesus Christ, in Scripture, and through our community life together. Help us to hear your word and to live into it together in community, where we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I I guess I don't have to point it out to you, but it's right there in our name, isn't it? Piedmont Community Church. Piedmont Community Church. And while that certainly identifies as a congregation of followers of Jesus of Christians that is located in a particular community, a particular place we call Piedmont, There is so much more to it than that and beyond that. Because as a church, as people who gather together on a regular basis to share our lives and serve and worship and be together and grow as followers of Jesus, we're obviously a community too. We're a community. The question is, what kind of a community are we? Now, Scott said last week, reminded us that word community can cover a whole lot of different things, right? It can range all over the place from the community of nations all the way to the community of two people who share their lives together. It's it's even the name of my daughter's favorite TV sitcom that she uh, pointed out to me and shared with me last year. Watch it you get a chance. Because as a church, um, we are a community, but but we're, we're the same as other communities in lots of ways, but we're also kind of different. So I wanna narrow down for you for a moment that just the definition of what a community is. Most basic level, a community is a group of people who um, care about each other, who feel they belong together, and have share some common values and maybe even some goals. Now we get a sense of what kind of a community that God is calling us into in what uh, John writes in his letter, what makes community as a church different from every other kind of community. And you especially get a sense of that in the word that he uses in Greek, that we translate into fellowship, okay? Fellowship with each other, fellowship with God, fellowship. And that's a pretty churchy word right there, right? Fellowship. Brings to mind all sorts of things we do together at church. You know, we have dinners together, we we have receptions, we get together, we we uh, might go on an outing together, we may do Christmas caroling together, we might even be on a softball team together, all sorts of different things. And all those kinds of things, fellowship, it's all perfectly fine and even a, a necessary part of our life together as a community. But fellowship is actually a pretty limited um, translation of the word that John actually uses in his letter. The word in Greek, the original language that John wrote in, the word in Greek is koinonia. And you've probably heard that word before at some point. You've heard it in our sermon series too. Koinonia. Now, it appears here in John's letter, but it also appears 20 other times in the New Testament four times in this very same passage, and it has all sorts of meanings. Besides fellowship, koinonia refers to association, intimacy, community, communion, serving, participation. It even refers to contributing money and sharing gifts not just monetary gifts, but the gifts of ourselves. So that word koinonia really bears a lot of weight. And it doesn't just describe a thing or a specific program that we do as a church. It basically is the core of everything we are and everything we do together, even if a lot of the time we're unaware of it. And what's more, John says, As a church, we have that very same koinonia with God through Jesus Christ. And that's what made all the difference to him, to John, and also what makes us different from any other kind of community that exists. According to John, a Christian community is characterized by two qualities. You hear him in this passage. The first is life. Life. Life at its fullest. Life the way that God created us to live it from the very beginning, as the Bible says. You know, as one of uh, the first disciples of Jesus, John's pretty clear that he got to experience that kind of life firsthand with his own hands, with his own eyes, with his own ears as he Uh, walked and talked and served and lived with Jesus and the other disciples. He got a sense of what that life was like. So he wants to share that with all of us. He says that in Christ, the inner life of God has come to live with us, full of grace and truth and peace and joy and mercy and love. And that brings us to the second word he uses to describe our community together. And that word is light. Life and light. Jesus is the light of the world. And in him, we receive and get access to the radiant presence of God. Now, at first glance, that sounds great. Right? Light. Light opens us up to truth. Light frees us from oppression, it illumines our path, it gives us strength and purpose and clarity and power and faith for whatever lies ahead in our future. Light's great. But it's also true, you know, that too much light can be kinda hard to take for us human beings, right? It can make you feel exposed vulnerable, uncomfortable, because we all want to keep certain parts of ourselves private, especially nowadays, private, unseen, under wraps, from other people and even from God. And that points to what you can call the paradox of Christian community, that while we're attracted to the light and life of Jesus, at the same time, we're not really all that sure we really want it or even all that capable of receiving it. I mean, as amazing and transformative and comforting as it can be, life together with God and with each other in the church is not always easy. Can I get an amen to that? Now, as John's really clear himself as a disciple of Jesus, when he was following Jesus with other really complicated human beings, and if you want to know how complicated, just look at the Gospels. Just look at our own lives. Life following Jesus with other complicated human beings was not easy for him. The disciples faced all sorts of difficulties together. But at the same time, in community. They changed the world. They changed their lives, too, by learning how to see themselves and each other in their full, complicated humanity through the loving, gracious eyes of Jesus. And that reality made all the difference. You know, the title of our sermon series that we've been preaching is... uh, taken from a little book called Life Together. It was written by the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer in 1938, published in 1939 in German and then in English in the 50s. And back then, Bonhoeffer was trying to maintain, preserve some semblance of Christian life, of koinonia, at a time of pure evil and oppression from the Nazis. And here's what he wrote. In Christian community, or koinonia, everything depends on it being clear right from the beginning that it is not an ideal, it's not something just to aspire to, but a divine reality. It already exists. It's not searching for some extraordinary experience or expecting it to happen on demand or every time we get together. It's life together in community, in a community created and enlivened and enlightened by Jesus. For as Bonhoeffer writes, Christian community is God's final revelation of God's divine self as Christ existing in community with us. You know, just like the rest of you have had my uh, share of ups and downs and joys and sorrows and living in Christian community. But you know what? I also give thanks for it every single day. I give thanks for you. Church, wherever it exists, wherever it has existed, I give thanks for it. Because I've said this a few times before, whether in a sermon or other places, I've said this At some point in my life, I don't exactly know when, I came to believe that in my baptism, when I was baptized, a group of people beyond my nuclear family promised to love me and feed me and accept me and be with me and accompany me and correct me when I needed correction and call me to accountability and to challenge me sometimes, but the most important thing is that this community, not just the community, not just the church where I was baptized, but every church, including this one, the promise was made that you all are gonna be with me. And I made the same promise when anybody else is baptized. We're gonna be together and God's gonna be with us too. So that's why in a couple of weeks, as Steve said, we're going to introduce life groups. Now, I know we can experience God in all sorts of different ways in our lives, but one of the most powerful ways I have ever experienced God, experienced the presence of Christ, is in small groups of maybe 8, 12, however many people, who gather together on a regular basis to share our lives, to um, talk about what's important, to just be together and support each other. So that's been a powerful part of my life, but rather than uh, talk any more about it, I'm gonna invite somebody up here who I know has experienced that kind of community, that kind of E in small groups, and I've been in a small group with him for, I don't know, six years, something like that. Steve Center, why don't you come up and we're gonna talk a little bit about community. Thank you, Steve. Everybody, if you don't already know Steve Center, here he is, he is uh, on our board of trustees and he's been doing a whole lot of incredible work in community with me and my family, taking care of my house here in Piedmont that the church owns. So uh, he's especially important to me too that way. Steve, I want you to just talk a little bit about your experience of life together, community um, in Piedmont Church. What was your first experience of getting uh, together in a small group or something like that?
1: Well, really, I think uh, my first experience was uh, joining the Board of Deacons. Um, Of course, I'd had uh, passing contact, uh, get-togethers parties, uh, church events, but on a sustained basis, it was the Board of Deacons. And um, that that was a revelation to me because I, was put in a situation where I was working with a few people I'd known before, but working with many people that I didn't know, knew only by sight, but got to know them in a much deeper way. Um, and similarly on the Board of Trustees, working with people that I've sort of known distantly, but then working in a, in a much deeper way on uh, church-related matters. Um, and then I also have served on a couple of different nonprofits long-term um, outside. But the small group situation is different, and we can get into that. In yeah, place. why don't you talk
0: about oh, the group, perhaps, that we've been in for all these years with some other people in the church. What's it been like for you to be in a small group with other people, other Christians?
1: Well, I, as I think back on it, um, one of the biggest differences, well, the same thing happens with the deacons and the trustees, but in this small group, it's not, it's not goal-oriented, per se. We're not there with a project or a problem, or. Plan to make so much as we are there to experience each other, um, and the small group always begins with prayer and always ends with prayer, and that to me sets up a situation. It 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 brings God into it brings us into God's presence and brings God into our presence, and so we have a sense of a sense of uh, Confidence and also an ability, perhaps, to break down a bit of the shell and barriers that Don was speaking about, which normally keep us from sharing deeper levels of ourselves.
0: The small group that we've been part of has been meeting for five or six years. It's been called Walking Together. And in that group, yeah. People always ask me, does that mean you're walking together outside and stuff? No, we're, we're gathering as a small group and uh, as I said, Steve's been part of that. Now has it always been easy being in that group? Have you ever felt yourself challenged or, or, or found yourself like in a position where you had to deal with something that
1: maybe you weren't ready to deal with? Oh sure. Uh. <laughs> uh. And it was. I'm reminded of it by the uh, quotation you had from uh, Bonhoeffer to start on the front page of the bulletin, which has to do with being in community and um, listening to each other. Learn to listen to each other, uh, and that often for me has been beautiful, gratifying, surprising, um, and sometimes unsettling and quite difficult. Um, <laughs> I'm. I'm not really going to give specific examples. Oh, come (laughs) on, Steve. (laughs) No, well, no. no, We'd set up a, uh, you know, basically a a confidentiality bubble. uh, By the way, that's extremely important important in a small group, confidentiality. But certain, certain things, either spiritual interpretations or having to do with social problems and politics, would come up, and I would be listening and sometimes astounded by the the places that other people were coming from. But then, uh, and not that those differences go away, but you learn to be with each other and be with those differences somehow. It's it's hard to explain, but it happens. So I guess in conclusion,
0: what difference has it made to you, Steve, as a person, as a Christian, um, however you want to think about it in your life to be in a small group with other people?
1: Well, if you're asking me if being in a small group has uh, fundamentally changed or, or made me a, uh, a better person, or I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be 75 years old tomorrow. So I'm pretty much set in my ways. <laughs> and, Darn. <laughs> but what, what being in a small group has shown me is that I really need to be in a small group. And I, I need to be in a small group because I've gotten old enough to at least recognize my shortcomings, some of them. And that, that spiritual hunger is there um, all the time to be with other people and share at a deep level, um, and I find that. And here, here's my pitch for small groups, in particular, is that g- going from a Sunday to a Sunday without another deep spiritual contact with God is hard. But if I have a midweek event, that helps to, you know, keep me close to God, to Jesus, and. Uh, to be in touch with the Spirit. Well, Steve, thank you so much for sharing, and
0: um, I just want to also encourage any of you, if you're interested, we can, you can sign up outdoors in the courtyard to join one of our life groups, um, or you can do it online as well. So go to our church website, it's right there on the home page. and uh, I look forward to sharing in the community and Koinonia continuing that experience with you all. Amen? Amen. You know.